Welcome to the T&D podcast brought to you by TomTom. We think you're trucking awesome. You deserve a trucking awesome app. That's why today we're excited to talk about the ultimate trucking companion, TomTom Go Navigation. With premium features designed to make every delivery a breeze, Go Navigation ensures you reach your destination efficiently and stress-free. Hello and welcome to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by... Matt Island. How's it going, Matt? All right, mate, yeah. Not been that long since we've had you on. No, it's only been a couple of weeks, hasn't it? So, yeah. not a great deal's changed, to be honest. Still on the shavings and yeah. sawdust. How's it going with the driving work and things? You were, you were doing a lot of local stuff. Yeah, yeah, still doing that. So, I actually had a young lad with me this week to sort of learn the ropes. He passed his test right at the start of the year through Martin's driver training who I also work for um, after a re- recommendation from myself so he came with me three days uh, on the eight wheeler and also in the Arctic with the walking floors just to see where see where I go see how I do it and um, on the Friday he actually changed his skip over entirely I just sort of supervised him just because he'll be providing cover sort of when I'm not about because the chap who I was covering for uh, well, for a week in October, and I'm still there. He's now officially signed off until the end of the year, so I've got a feeling he probably won't be back at all. So there's sort mm. of ongoing work for myself there, which is quite good. So I'm just going to sort of juggle that with a little bit of um, other stuff here and there. Um, we've just had the Greece run booked for July, the usual one with the two dogs down at Rafina Port, and there's talk of a few other interesting little jobs as well so it's looking pretty pretty good from sort of my end as such oh well that's good that's good to hear anyway how old's the guy you've had out with as a kind of young guy is it yeah he's um 30 i think he said so and he listens to this so if i've got you if i've got your age wrong trig i do apologize (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah a real young stuff for for road transport anyway being 30 oh well good luck to him anyway yeah Starting out, starting out with new endeavours and things. Or, of course, I, I am, I am away out. I'm driving next week. I've got a Scania uh, 560S Super, courtesy of Jared at Scania UK. It's a tag axle. Um, seems to be very well spec. So that's down at Broughton Transport, uh, where I need to. I need to drive down there tomorrow. I've got a lot to. I need to load the car up with like everything, which is just oh. Yeah, when you when you're fully rigging a truck out for a week, you know how much stuff you need to go and pile in there and make sure you don't forget anything. Oh so yeah. Last time I, for, I forgot to bring my suitcase and brought no clothes, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> I had to go and run. To, I had to go and run to Tesco at like half past ten at night and buy some Father's Day um, underpants and like a Star Wars and Transformers T-shirt or whatever. <laughs> I'll endeavour to do better this time. So. Yeah, so uh, well, I'm working with Bob Beach to start, start of the week anyway. Bob's got a gas-powered Iveco for the week, one of the S-ways that runs in mm-hmm. CNG with the extended tanks. Yeah. So they seem to work very well with the guys that have got them. Yeah. And then, of course, gas, I've mentioned it before, gas isn't really on the agenda in the same way that um, elect- electric is. And there's also, you know, there's, and so there's just one thing after another appearing online about uh, potential issue, issues with electrics, but those gas Ivecos seem to work pretty well. So he's got that and he can fill it to Avonmouth. So we'll see how the see how the week goes with that. The Scania's got a microwave in it, which will be nice. Don't often get a microwave uh, in the trucks that I get to. 
I get to test out. But it's not been that long. It's only been like a few weeks since I had that Volvo FH Turbo Compound, which I was working for um, AED, who are sadly no more, as you'll probably all see in the press. It's hard time for hauliers. There's sort of three or four gone into administration or gone out the game altogether in the last sort of um, couple of weeks, which is uh, really tough. And these are guys that aren't... These are guys that are generally pretty busy. It's just that costs and interest rates have gone off the, off the charts and the rates just simply can't be altered to, to match it. So I don't even know who's going to pick up a lot of work that these, these guys were doing. I don't know if we'll see some sort of, um, what would be the word be? I don't know, like phoenixes come out of any, any of these where alternate operations are set up to set up. Um, we've seen that in the past with things, but I feel bad for all the drivers and all the people that were involved. AED was 65 people and, you know, as far as I was aware, as far as I was aware they've always been like a, a great, uh, uh, good company to work for and um, I, I enjoyed like, working for them as well. So it's not like how it was a couple of years ago where guys can just walk out one place and go and immediately get a job somewhere else. It's certainly not like that anymore. No. Um, with the the, the the perceived driver shortage, you know? No, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, pretty grim. I mean... There was a couple of them, didn't we? We had S&J are an admin. We've got John Denham Transport and L&M Transport out by um, uh, Immingham as well. So, you know, good luck to everybody that's in- involved with with all those, all those places. Yeah, as we've, we've talked about a few times before, haven't we? It's uh, really pretty grim out there. Um even, I mean, S&J have been going quite a few years, haven't they? So it's not like they're a new company and not been doing it right because they've, they've been trading quite a while. So there's no sort of short-term fix to it either, is there? That's the problem. And sometimes, sometimes drivers can be their own worst enemy as well, can't they? If, if you've got a driver who's not performing very well, if he's, if he's chewing through tyres and diesel and things like that, it, it, it soon... Uh, what little profit is in the job is, is soon gone out the window, isn't it? Yeah, but it's like costs have, costs have went off the chart and there's very, very little that anybody's able to do to mitigate those circumstances when you're talking about, you know, haulage has run on finance and interest rates have went up massively. And I've mentioned it so many times, but the, the push to get rid of Euro 5s and move people into Euro 6s, there's so many companies that just moved on to Euro 6 really quickly, probably quicker than they would have liked to have done. And it also killed the value of a lot of Euro 5s as well. And you've got, If you're able to sit and you've got stuff that's bought and paid for, it's kind of less and less common these days. I, I, I think that trucks should be able to last a lot longer than than how we are able to keep them. But it's just the way that things are, are um, set up now. And the way that people, you've got to move and get things with the biggest cabs for resale value and stuff like that. You can go and get a couple of little trunk motors, but you can end up where nobody wants them at the end of the run and you get people that are potentially wanting to wanting to drive them. A few years ago, I was driving a Renault Premium and tramping about in it, doing everything. And the guys that would come in to do trunk shifts, they would refuse to drive them. <laughs> it's like, well... Because no, no, I, it's, I'm entitled to you know, I'm entitled to uh, at the very least uh, some some sort of some sort of scania, and it's like you're just running down the road four hours and then four hours back. It's got a 460 horsepower yeah. Volvo engine and the, the same i shift gearbox. What's the problem here? But yeah, strange times. It's um, 
we'll, we'll see how the rest the rest of the year goes forward. But I think there's kind of needing to be there's going to be a kind of realignment uh, with things in transport. It's just a matter of thinking a lot of places just getting your head down and trying to weather the storm. There's never ever been stability. In transport, there's always been challenges and difficulties to face going all the way. But you could speak to guys who were driving in the 70s and 80s, which would be considered in many ways the, the glory days in a lot of ways. But it was still really difficult uh, back then. And a lot of the equipment was much, much more basic. So, hey. It's funny what you say about the uh, like people refusing to drive trucks. And it's just, I've never quite understood it. I, I get it to a point, obviously, if you're tramping week in, week out, I, I get it that you want something with a lot of space and so on and so forth. But if you're just doing like a day shift or a night shift or anything like that, like you say, does it really matter what you're driving? You just got to lump down the road, lump back, and uh, and go home. So, <laughs> what is again? Some people are their own worst enemy, aren't they? And then they wonder why they can't get any work. So, like, well, you're, you're refusing to drive that, and then when you do drive the other truck, then you'll cost me a fortune. So, you're sort of out the door. Aye, <laughs> but. On a lighter note, you know, it's getting lighter in the evenings. Things are getting a little bit milder. It's nicer. Yeah. We're getting some shows lined up to, to go to, uh, which will be good. I think we've got Truck Fest, which is at Lincoln this year for the first time, instead of the big event at Peterborough, because that venue is no longer uh, available. Like they're building houses on it. So there's Truck Fest, that, that big one there, which seems to be selling tickets uh Big time. That's probably going to fill out with with trucks. Mm-hmm. So on the other hand, it does show you that there's a there's a lot of um, great enthusiasm for for the industry across uh, mm-hmm. both all, all the all the guys they go and take the trucks to all these shows because there'll be something on every single weekend of the year. Yeah, and yeah, I'm quite looking forward to getting out to getting out to some of those. We we have kind of. Uh, a bit more involved with Truck Fest Scotland this year. We've got like a stand there with Transport News, uh, which I've got to do some more work for because yeah. Alistair Valance, the editor of that, he's like 80 and he's retiring in March. So I've got uh, a little bit more work to do with there in terms of writing things for the magazine under my remit of being editor at large. So quite a busy time mm-hmm. going forward. Uh, I don't, yeah. know, don't know what else I'll get out. Yeah, I don't know what else I'll get out to go and drive. Uh, Joe Ashton um, at Shuttleworth said he offered me the opportunity to go and learn how to do the tanks. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. That's going to come up sort of maybe May time, I think. So that'll be good. Something new that yeah. I've not done before because they get guys going on holiday uh, and they require some cover for things like that. So I can come in and do that but without, uh, without going and taking any work off anybody else which is something that I'm kind of a little bit mindful of as well as well at the moment so yeah mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that I'll see what trucks I can get in on that they do have some manual dafts there so they're quite happy to go and have a shot of one of them as well yeah that'll make a pleasant change yeah I've discovered as well, well I had my nephew around for the he stayed over because the school's got a week off now in February for some reason I don't understand yeah um, so I had him over and we got Euro trucks up Euro truck simulator set up again. I hadn't run it for, hadn't had it on for like a year. And he's 11. Is he 11 now? Yeah, he's 11. And he'd never been able to get his head around the fact it was kind of a simulation and not a racing game. And he just crashed the thing all the time. And he didn't have the, <laughs> he didn't have the um, ability to stay focused on it for long enough. But this time he's, he's grown up. He's spent a lot of time 
at his um, his dad's garage there, a garage that services a lot of taxis and things, very busy place. He's been in there mucking about and he's, he, he's picked up quite a lot of stuff driving-wise. So I set him up on it and I said, well, you can have a go on my truck, which was the custom-built Foden that I'd put on it with like a 600-horsepower Cummins engine, not something you could have in real life. But I set him up with the 16-speed manual gearbox and after a night, he'd pretty yeah. much he'd pretty much picked it up. Oh, brilliant! Because the setup on that is it's got a proper Scania gear lever on it, right? And you can set it up to have any combination of manual gearboxes. So it's got the sixteen speed with a splitter and the high low box on it, and he was able to pretty much pick it up in a day. Wow! <laughs> and after, because I was standing sort of tutoring him, going, you know, uh, switch at the front low box and all this kind of stuff, and he picked it up after a day so I mean, then I was thinking that really doesn't say much for all the hassle that everybody's had over years in the past years going past where guys have said they've either been completely unwilling or unable to take on a manual gearbox mm-hmm. and I know it's a computer game but all the same he was still doing the shifting yeah. on it so if you're an actual qualified lorry driver yeah I was like, all the carnage and everything with manual gearboxes all that time. I was like, well, there's an 11 year old who managed to pretty much suss it out after yeah. a day. Uh, so he, I was impressed, and I was thinking to myself how, because that's, he was really, really into it. And I feel a bit bad for him because to have that set up that I've got, it requires a really high end PC to run it decently. Yeah. And it's the steering wheel, the pedals, and the gear lever, and it costs a fortune. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily likely that a lot of kids would be able to get their parents to either buy them that or be able to afford it. Yeah. To have the full setup. So um, he's been able, so he's like desperate to come back and, and play it again. But I was like, and that's about as good, without being able to have kids in cabs anymore and taking them out, that's about as good a thing as you could hope to get that game. Yeah. In a lot of ways, for getting kids being into trucks and less. Unless you have access to it through the fact that you're, you're one of your parents or whatever's a driver, and you're able to access the trucks up close because of that. So, and even still, finding a manual one now is uh, certainly getting rare, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a, unless you're in the the further flung reaches of the country, the north of Scotland and things, maybe Cornwall, places like that. You're less, you're much less likely to encounter them although I haven't interviewed a couple of hauliers recently I've said if they could have had a DAF XG with a manual box they would have ordered it with yeah. it Owned a driver friend of mine he bought an XG Plus when they came out and that's his first ever auto box and he really really didn't want it he said but I've got no choice so I've had to have it and I spoke to him recently and he, he is actually quite impressed with it he still would prefer a manual but he does does quite like the the uh, DAF auto box which I've they're a definite improvement in the um, in the XGs over the older ones and, and yeah the older ASTronic ones were just awful <laughs> there's any other way of putting it really <laughs> yeah I mean they were so basic that was one of the main reasons that put me off autos in the first place what I found when the DAF because the DAF comes with eco software as standard but if you spec it with performance software that it's not performance don't think it's like power mode on a Scania or a Volvo or something where it's really going hard at it. Performance mode is just quite sort of standard kind of mode. And that the, the DAF with the standard gearing in it, the 530, really did go well. That's the best driving DAF that I've had since the Euro 5 days. Of course, you can't really get a bad 
automatic gearbox now. They are all they are all very good. And uh, yeah, I mean it's it's much much harder work to go and drive a manual. Of course, but the traffic these the traffic these days just everywhere. I know that we had it gradually. It went so quiet after COVID, but during sort of twenty twenty two, last year it all kind of crept back, and the traffic's just nuts now. I came up from Warwick in the car on Friday, and I left at like eleven o'clock in the morning. I got stuck in traffic all the way around the M forty, and thankfully I was just early enough to beat the M six on the way up. And you don't really want to be pumping a clutch pedal millions of t- millions of times over the course of. A week when you can just sit back and let the let the truck get yeah. on with it, and one one of the crucial things as well is the the manoeuvring modes, the low speed throttle control, is so much better now yeah. on the on these trucks as trucks as well. So I don't, I don't know what's um, I don't know what the the next move truck wise with things that are coming out. Scania are coming out with a digital dash this year. Iveco are coming out with their digital dash, and they're doing a variation of the mirror cams on. The S way. Mm-hmm. I don't know who else has got stuff coming out. Uh, updates. I think wise. Renault. Renault have with the T range. I believe. I think they they're having a new interior. All oh, right. Well, that that's much needed yeah. for the the range T because obviously you don't get the left hand drive spec dash in the right hand drive mm-hmm. version. And yeah, they, they, I always find the range T. Especially the high, it had a lot of space in the cab, but it never really did much with it. It was spacious, but it wasn't really innovative in any sort of ways. When you pulled the fridge out, it would take up the entire yeah. floor pretty much. So you'd have to like stand in the passenger footwell and manoeuvre yourself about. I did really like the the bunk at the front where you could pull up the front of it and it would use. You could store loads of stuff up there, but like the front lockers weren't particularly big big on it and there was never it was always cup holders that you would come back to never had enough in the way of that so yeah Renault is definitely due an interior up, update uh, the, the range the range T high always gets a good write up from everybody that's got yeah. one and they usually tend to be yeah they usually tend to be 520 versions and they're always rated very highly on the way that they pull. People reckon they pull as well as if it's up in the same fleet as a 540 Volvo people will generally tell you that the Renault pulls just as well and it's a little bit unusual as well there's not as many of them going about and we've only got what seven different makes seven different makes of truck uh, these days and the Renault has got a little bit of uniqueness about it it's a little bit more complicated than other things as well but it does stand out it's the styling on it's dated very well and it's one of the a normal range T is one of the biggest second hand bargains you can get if you need a cheap Euro 6 let Renault do their used truck scheme, and you can get one of them for less than the price of a second-hand car. Really? And they kind of, they can, yeah, they refurbish them as well. They do them up. They don't just punt them out as battered white cab sort of units. Bob Beach had one last year, and it had like six hundred thousand on it, and it did it, it it did very well. And so there's potentially like massive cost cost savings to be had yeah there were there were those so yeah th- thumbs up kind of for for how well the Renault range t's range t's done i actually saw a premium the other day i mentioned a premium earlier and i was surprised to see it because so many of these euro fives 
they've just disappeared off the planet. But I'll tell you a fleet that does interest me mm-hmm. uh, is Pe- Pentons. Pentons, yeah. from Shropshire. They are, yeah. yeah. They've got light blue... Yeah. They've got light blue Volvos. And up until quite recently, I think they were running version... They still had version 1s on the road. Yeah. I, I, don't, yeah, I don't know if they still have or not. And they had some old Scania's as well. Yeah. I noticed a few of them, and I was like, that, that's like the old-style Volvos that they've got yeah. got running. They're, and obviously, they're on, they're on fridge works. Mm-hmm. They're obviously confident in that they're not getting... They're not going to be encountering places where you can't go or get charged a lot of money. But thinking about my lot of haulage, I think... The ULES stuff, a lot of it was just the fear of what might happen. A lot of these ULES zones never came into being. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but there were so many concerns uh, concerns about them, and it just it just depends. You've got to kind of future proof yourself. But a lot of it was a lot of it was a little bit un, a lot of it was a little bit unf, unfounded, but you just don't. You just don't know. Yeah. Uh, somebody had messaged me during the week to say that there was a company that had found with some Renault premiums. So I'd like to uh, maybe do do something on them because I'm still kind of looking out for some older trucks for the for the magazine um, going for going forward. Maybe do something focused on guys that are running slightly older stuff because you've got to remember Euro Six came in at the start of 2014, so the earliest Euro Sixes are ten, 10 years, years old, old now. now. Yeah, yeah. Well, where I'm working now at Chapman's. There's still one, I think there's one premium left. Then everything else is range T. I think there's one T high. Everything else is just range T. Uh, the one I'm driving now is a 68 plate. And my biggest bugbear with it is the lack of adjustment on the steering column, which has been improved already with the newer ones. And having, <laughs> having buttons on the back of the steering wheel to control at the steering and whatnot. Now, I know if I had a manual and I could read it and figure that all out, but when I first got in it, and it's like, how on earth do I connect the Bluetooth? I just could I was getting so riled, I ended up phoning Ash Redman because I knew that he'd driven them and really liked them. Mm-hmm. And he just, start, he just started laughing his head off. He, he's like, have you found the buttons on the back of the steering wheel? I was like, no, of course I haven't. <laughs> so I sort of felt about it. I was like, oh, yeah, there, there's, there's two buttons there. And once you know they're there, it's obviously a piece of cake. But um, it, it just... <laughs> Like you say, Renault have always been a bit unique, haven't they? even their cars, styling-wise and whatnot. They they are certainly very different. Uh, but in, it's that sixty-eight. It's a sixty-eight plate. I mean, it's not done many miles, and none of them do, to be honest. But hasn't had any single issues yet. Whereas people, a lot of people with new DAF XGs and whatnot, it just seemed to be riddled with problems, electrical problems, injector problems. My friend Allard from uh, South Wales who drives for birds, he, his is two years old now, and it's only had a couple of very sort of minor issues. Other than that, it's, it's kept going. But that seems to have been in a minority compared with other people. Other, like another friend of mine, he's known a driver, and he just said, when it's on the road, it is the best truck going, but it, it just... Hmm. The build quality is absolutely shocking. I've, I've heard examples of what you, what you would call Friday afternoon vehicles yeah. where it's thrown together on like a Friday yeah. when things used to come down the production line and put together by blokes and boiler suits and flat caps. But it does still it does still seem to be a thing, curiously enough. I've heard out speaking to hauliers, like bizarre things on new trucks, like windscreens leaking water and pouring in that, that cannot be fixed and persistent electric faults. And this goes across all the manufacturers. You're talking Volvo, Scania, MAN, the, the whole lot of them. Yeah. There's not one. And you, you would think with the, the production standards now that stuff like that wouldn't, it wouldn't re, it, they would catch things like that. Uh, but curi- curiously enough as well, like the two, if you talk about 
if you went back to the end of Euro 5, you would argue that probably the two least fashionable makes of truck were Renault, I would say. With, with the, well, they had the Magnum, which was very rare. It was really, it was eccentric and interesting, yeah. but rare. And of course, Iveco. And, and pretty much most of the places that I go now, if anybody that's got these or moved into them, they're always like giving them a, a really good write-up. But it, it comes down to sort of expectations as well. If your expectations are pretty low from the outset and then it, it does really well and performs well, then you're, you're more likely to be sort of um, raving about it and giving yeah. it, a, giving it a, a, good, a good review. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kersey Freight, who are... Um from Kersey, for enough in Suffolk. They're a fairly big company now, Kersey's, and they've just bought three S-Ways. They had, they, I know they had a demonstrator, and then they put three on the road pretty quickly after having it. So I don't know whether these trucks were in stock, or I presume they might have been. But again, and Renault, round here in East Anglia, because we've got Roy Humphreys, which is an independent dealer, and he sells mostly Renaults, and then there's Norfolk Truck and Bus in Norwich, there's, there seems to be the most common truck around here is a Renault. Uh, there's an awful lot of them running about. A lot of the local companies have got them. So, and that, uh, again, it could come down to price as well. Um, but they, they seem to be certainly popular around this way. Yeah, there must be a competent sales network. I did. Well, funnily enough, when I was at Safe Pack, which is in Mildenhall. Yeah, no Safe Pack. Yeah, that's in Suffolk. It is. Yeah, just about. that's not. So that's that's not that far from you, really, is it? No, it's the other end of Suffolk, but still. Not too far away. Yeah. yeah, curious place because it's the air base is there. Yeah, RAF Mildenhall and RAF Lakenheath. So yeah, it's a bit more American. Yeah, you get like, yeah, there's like Dodge Challengers, Mustangs, Camaros, all dotted about the place. Yeah. And then at one point, an international bonneted tractor unit went past with the stacks. Up yeah, yeah. The back of the cabin, and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> it's it, it, it's weird seeing them, uh, and they've got a f- they did have a few Scanners actually registered in America so you, you because they'd ship the trailers in and out for Germany uh, from Felixstowe you'd get the American registered track units from Mildenhall Lake and Heath picking up the supplies you know back and forth up and down the A14 so it's weird seeing uh, that they've got they're mostly P cabs and they're the they're the newer ones now but it was strange seeing them with American state plates on or like you say they're the bonneted internationals and things like that that obviously have got no limiter just charging past charging past you chucking black smoke out you know stuff <laughs> stuff your Euro 1 <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah that's it scan your P-cabs of the tractor units yeah yeah they've got uh, it's not, the company is now it's called Exchange I think it is and they, they have gotten British registered now um, and they are just trying to think, they like a. I don't know what model it is, but they are like the the next gen. They're they're quite. A, they are a small cab. They're not big big at all. So I mean, looking at how much like the way truck spec has changed, like not you would quite often see things like P cab scanners, day cab tractor units, even pulling uh, like bulk aggregate trailers because it would simply never be required to do a night out. Yeah, save the weight. Yeah, you save the weight, but you don't really see. Too many of them in a world. I do quite like the little, like a P or a G cab Scania, where it's like a 500. Yeah. Or so, you know, so it's a little kind of pocket rocket sort of, sort of, sort of thing. But you don't see, you don't see too, too many of those smaller, smaller cabs. Scania is quite unique in that it's got kind of two small variants. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the P and the G, you've got to kind of look closely at them to, to work out what the difference is. It's the slats and the grill if one's coming towards you right. from a distance because most of them, I think you could, 
I think the P's got one slat, the G's got two, the R's got three, and the S's got four or something. When you look at when you look at the front end of them, if you can't see the badge, should you want to identify one? But yeah, that's you don't you don't see as many. Like you certainly don't see as many DAF CF tractor units going about anymore. Or I mean, you remember how popular the Mercedes Axor was? Yeah, as a fleet truck. I mean, I, yeah. I, I like the Axor. Uh, Nine-speed manual in it. Didn't have much of a pull on hills because you didn't have a splitter in it. But yeah. you know, So they thought they were they were all right. But yeah, there's not as many of them. I did three weeks away in one on one of my first ever tours, and it was certainly not geared up for uh, taking three weeks' worth of gear with you. Uh, but Tannington's, who I work for as well, uh, who do all just bulk haulage, obviously, you know, weight is the aim of the game for them. They've only got... They've got a few of the boys do nights out, so they've got bigger trucks, but everyone else is kind of aimed at being like the small cabs. They've actually got a Mercedes Antos Arctic. There's an old template Axor day cab. I think that they did have a 63 plate. That's gone. Um, several flat roof CFs, at least one flat roof Renault T range, and all, you know, with little small uh, mid lifts just to keep the weight down. So it's, it, it is. They buck the trend, it's, but they are certainly unusual. But like you say, the, the CF, like the older, the 85, when they had the Hatcher high roof, that was a hell of a good sell of that truck. Yeah, they did the same roof on the food and space cab as, yeah. as well. It wasn't there yeah, because it, was it was a Hatcher conversion on it, the square headlight ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were all right. I, dr- I drove one of them at Taylor Morrison. Uh, yeah, it yeah. was all right to... It was all right to drive that. Yeah, you don't see as as much as much of that. Um, it's all, every, everything's everything's gone large. Yeah, but uh, good for. I mean, you could argue it's progress, I guess, because it's better for the drivers if you've got like a nice a nice big fancy a big fancy cab. Yeah, compared to cramming yourself into. Because I, I remember doing trunking work for APC, I think. Yeah, double man trunking to Birmingham in a flat roof CF four ten tractor unit. God. <laughs> uh, that must be about about sort of ten ten years ago, and you couldn't imagine asking guys to go and use something like that now no. to go and do things like that. Uh, who was it before DPD? Before they got bought out or something? UK Mail maybe. UK uh, Mail used to yeah. use day cab yeah. day cab Mercs on double man trunking, which wasn't very nice because although you're not supposed to, generally, like the driver that's not driving will get in the bunk and. Try and get a bit of sleep. Have a lay down. Yeah, lie down. And you'd see the guy with a pillow propped against the window on it. And I was like, that must have been a long, long old shift <laughs> yeah. doing that night, night after night after night. But yeah, kind of gone now. I'd imagine the sales of day cab tractor units must be in single figures these days. I'd say so. Because even, even the tanker fleets who used to be like all day cabs, they're all... I think most of them are sleepers, aren't they? Now I think I could, yeah. I'm probably talking nonsense now, and I'll you know when I go out Monday, I'll see every single tanker I see will probably be a day cab. But I'm pretty sure yeah, like hoyers and whatnot have got, although there's a lower cab, I'm sure they've got sleepers mm. on them. So yeah, so. I mean yeah, I mean day cab. I mean you really would want to have at least, even if you're never going to use it, you do just want that bunk there, even if it's just a flat roof cab. Yeah, because you just never know. It extends the flexibility. Yeah enormously and it also uh, makes the resale better as well it's going to be more interest it's going to be more of interest to your export guys as well who are, who are looking for looking for things a day cab's got such limited use with use with things because yeah. handy on eight handy on eight wheeler tippers if you don't want to do nights out because if you don't have a bunk you can't do them so you can't get sent miles away yeah which yeah. is handy <laughs> i mean like the hook loader that i i do as well because it's a renault and that's obviously a day cab, and it is, 
Well, if you just want to have a, a quick power nap, it's just you've got to either put your feet up on the dash or just sort of try and... But you can't even lean back very far because obviously the cab is there. So it is... Yeah, but it would be much nicer just to have that space and have that option just to uh, just get your head down for half an hour sort of thing. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, going back now, right, when I was talking, yeah, I mentioned that was a safe pack, yes. which is in the next issue, which we feature. It's one of the, it's a kind of flagship Renault Range T High, which they had done up. It's used, it's used to transport uh, trailers for the Yamaha British Superbike team. Okay. Um, yeah. As part of a sort of sponsorship deal, which so really, really nice looking, nice looking truck that. But they were they were impressed enough with the range T high to have gone and ordered some more, and they've ordered. It'll be interesting to see how these Renault turbo compounds do, mm-hmm. because Volvo's had a, a pretty reasonable amount of success with their turbo compound variants, and Renault's come in with their four eighty version smack bang in between the four sixty. And 480 Volvos, so I think they've got, uh, they've already tried the 460 Volvo out. So it'll be interesting to see how these Renaults do, because there's been a lot of demonstrators of going out. People have tried them out, and um, I think it, it's if you do quite a decent percentage of mileage on the motorway, then they can save you save you money on fuel. But turbo compounding previously was used more for power than it ever was for economy. Um, right. Have you driven? You driven one? I can't remember. I know MDF have got a couple, I believe, um, but I'm not sure if I've driven one. Don't know. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I've not driven the Renault one. I might try and get a hold of uh, one of those to get to give it a go. I believe the Renault. The Renault isn't locked down like the Volvo Full I Save package, which I've mentioned in a previous podcast. Where there's no manual shifting. Um, allowed once you're kind of on the go, which means that it, it sacrifices all its speed in favour of sitting in the highest possible gear at all times. Which it's a bit over. It's a bit too much for the 460 at full full weight. Having said that, it does cope perfectly fine, sort of up to maybe about sort of 35, 36 tons. Yeah, it's not too not too bad in that respect. Oh, that's all right. You're listening to the Trucking Driver Podcast brought to you by TomTom. The TomTom Go Navigation offers a specific set of truck features. You can set your cargo and truck dimensions for specific routes so you can drive confidently on suitable roads, making every journey efficient and reliable. Truck yeah. Here's a quick pop quiz question. Who else uses turbo compounding? Apart from Renault and Volvo. Oh, uh... Uh, 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 God, I don't know. Um, pass. It, it's Mercedes Benz. Their big oh. six thirty. Their big six thirty Actros is a turbo compound engine. Oh, right. Although they don't advertise it as advertise it as such. I think Mercedes have got uh, some updates to their engines coming out as well. Because Mercedes with. I mentioned before, I don't know what's going on with our dealer network. Network Ten years ago, the Actros was selling by the bucket load. Everybody everybody had them, but there's not much of a dealer network at all in Scotland anymore, and it's kind of fallen by the wayside for them there. And I can't imagine a company of that size and strength would kind of just sit sit, uh, sit by and allow that to continue mm. on a sort of permanent, permanent sort of basis. You don't sort of encounter... 
a lot a lot of them these these days. But I was seeing a thing that Mercedes are. It was on YouTube that they've decided that they're going to continue making petrol, like internal combustion engines, for the foreseeable future, rather than uh, just moving all towards EVs. And I think you'll see a lot more companies deciding to do that going forward because I don't see how they're going to be able to just switch over to all that all that stuff that quickly but you can see the Germans are kind of it's home of the autobahn and some of the most iconic car makers in the world the Nürburgring and everything and you can't you can't see how they're just going to bin off all the petrol and diesel engines like that cannot see it no again and it's that's all well and good as long as you've got the infrastructure in place to begin with to, to start removing it isn't it so Yes, and of course we don't. There was a there was a survey that came out as well that, that had been done, quite a big survey on drivers that came out the other week again. And again, it came back to one of the biggest issues was um, facilities, yeah, uh, and how you have to do, how you have to get somewhere having somewhere safe to park, and also how you're treated and. Um, RDCs and things. Um, Niall Barker actually sent me a picture this week where he was stuck in like a horrid waiting room, which was like a, a sort of half a porter, half a shipping container with a with a with like a, a deck chair in it. You had to go and sit in there uh, while they went and unloaded the unloaded the thing, which I thought were kind of they, they've all been creeping back in as well. Yeah, more, more and more as we moved away from. Uh, COVID, mm-hmm. uh, horrible. But I haven't, had, I haven't had too many horror stories lately from from people. You would get emailed now and again with some days about a horrendous time somewhere. Yeah, it just it just mystifies me. You know, just just if you just take the driver's keys away, they can't drive off, can they? And just let them have, sit in the cab, or, or just yeah, but that's, just put a block in front of it, yeah. something like that. You know, let, let, have the key so you can open the window, or close the window. You know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't allow a dog to sit in a hot car in the summer for several hours of no, you know, without being able to with an open wind without an open window. So why why would you expect a person to do it? Yeah, that's exactly exactly. It. Yeah, I don't understand that uh, that sort of concept that sort of concept at all. I mean, who does? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's the biggest the biggest issue for for drivers. Uh, it still continues to be facilities. I've mentioned it before. It's not if you're not going to be able to go and give trucks uh, have enough truck parking for the trucks we've got, and you've got things filling up industrial estates and laybys all over the place. It costs. How are you ever going to be able to charge? loads and loads of electric vehicles aside yeah. from anything else it doesn't it's 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 not never going to be uh viable is it no that's right i mean um bartram's up here they've just put an electric volvo fh tag axle bulker on the road um to work for bort bort malt mm-hmm. but bort malt in bury st edmunds they generate their own electricity i think I think it's through solar, but I'm not 100 sure. So they can charge the truck for free at night. So it's it's essentially not costing them to run it because they they're making the electricity. So what they lose in the weight, um, I, I guess they gain in the, the in the fuel in sort of inverted commas. But mm-hmm. you know that's uh, there's not many places that are like that, is there? That can just you can just no. They're quite fortunate in that they have got the some sort of pre-existing infrastructure yeah. to allow them to be able to run yeah. something like that, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, going back to right at the start of the podcast, we're talking about costs being off the scale with things and how expensive, you know, how expensive trucks are, how 
things are generally spec to a higher level, so they're more expensive. So if you look, uh, the price of that Scania I'm getting tomorrow, you can potentially hit £200,000 now, spec it up, an S-series Scania. Or, you know, a lot of them aren't that far behind that either. Yeah. And if you're going for an electric one, electric ones can cost £300,000, £350,000. Yeah. Where, where's your... Where's your break point with uh, with being able to do something with that? Mm-hmm. And you don't know. Nobody knows. Like the electric, even the manufacturers do not know what the resale values of these are going to be going forward in years to come. And nobody truly knows how things are going to bed in yeah. as well. So, how long they're going to last as well? Because if what's the cost going to be if if it needs new batteries put into it? And uh, so I think quite a lot of the electric trucks are leased, aren't they? Um, I just I don't think yeah everything yeah I think everything would be you would do it in some sort of leasing deal as well. But then again, manufacturers can't really be in a position where they're going to have thousands of them all coming back, and they don't have any. They're just going to go and take them to bits. There's no further value value in them so who knows other than, yeah. who knows what's going to happen to other than putting it all out putting, putting a diesel drivetrain in it and exporting it and then well, it's just what's the point yeah well well I mean the whole <laughs> you would be better off going across to Africa and getting all these guys to use better diesel and start running and using emissions equipment and things but that's never going to, going to really happen that's never really going to happen anytime soon because no. uh, there, there doesn't really seem to be a willingness to go and uh, help those countries. It seems to be trying to squeeze whatever last drops you can you can get out of stuff stuff here. Uh, well, so, yeah, and we've talked about it before, haven't we? You know, like the, the USA, China, Russia—they are just the world and India, world's biggest polluters, aren't they? And until they're really on board, then we're not going to achieve that much are we i think our our output's one percent in the uk i think it is some of yeah. that so it's just <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i mean that's i think we, as a country i mean we've got rid of pretty much all the manufacturing here here anyway there's not a lot of it and you look at all the farming's done responsibly as well when you go to various different parts of the country you can look at the farmland in the earth because there's problems in parts of the world where they just relentlessly farmland yeah and of course it takes all the goodness out the soil and it, it becomes less and less productive but you look at the you look at the quality of the soil and the, the, the produce that comes out of the uk from farms and it's some of the best the best in the world and it's all done responsibly as well so i think we should be we should be we should be um, more, more celebrate yeah championing yeah. how uh, good, like Britain and sort of Europe, I guess, as it, it is as well with all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But <coughs> yeah, food for thought. But uh, so, what have you got? So, I'm away in the Scania next week. Hopefully, well, it's getting we're rolling into March now. So, hopefully, you might, I might get just around that time. You get some of those nice days where you you get like nice bit of sunshine and uh, bit of temperature gets up into the teens, and it's just. A Lovely, nice, and a nice day the, the for trucking. Seems a bit better again. Yeah, yes. yeah, definitely. Exactly. Hopefully, hopefully, get get a bit of that. Some good places, some decent places to go. It's always a, it's always a decent and varied week when I've been at Broughton's. So, what, what have you got uh, coming up over the next sort of couple of weeks? driving wise or otherwise just to round things off it will kind of be much of the same for myself just kings lynn and red lodge 
for the most part, go, sort of going forwards, really. my I think my application has been sent off to the DVSA to get approved for teaching ADR, which is something I've been sort of working towards as well. So I'm just sort of waiting to hear back from that. But other than that, there won't be a huge amount. I'll just keep sort of plodding on with the with the work and uh, the various bits and pieces that I'm writing and doing things like that. So it um, won't be a, a huge amount of, of difference for me personally. But I think I'll have a little European run at the start of April, I think, um, subject to change, of course. It's a shame as well because um, I did have a message the other, the other week. They were asked, asked a quote on taking a motorbike to Kazakhstan. I just thought in a van overlands. So, right, yeah, brilliant. We'll, uh, you know, well up for that, obviously. Uh, but your your overland options are either go through Turkey, uh, Azerbaijan, get a ferry across, or you can go. You can, I think you can get a ferry from Bulgaria directly into Georgia to then go across to Azerbaijan, or you could go Turkey, Iran, and around that way. So you're looking at. I, I did see a, there's a German company, and they've just loaded one. Uh, from somewhere, uh, Latvia, Lithuania, I think it was, something like that, to go to Uzbekistan, and that's predicted to take a month overland with all the borders and whatnot. So those trips are still out there, and you, you never know when never know when it's going to come off. Yeah, ah, yeah. Well, it's good to good to get a bit of variety like that. Now he's yeah. teaching ADR, yeah, because I need to go and I'm thinking I need to go and redo my driver CPC again next year. I've got my first medical next year as well. Uh, aged forty five will be next year, so I'm, I'm, ah, I'm going to have to go and sort out all my bloody driver CPC stuff as well. So I'll have to go and look into that and see if I can find some good. I'll do ADR again anyway, as yeah. a matter of course, because. I would recommend absolutely anybody to do that for your driver CPC because you get a qualification at the end of it, yeah. and there aren't too many. There aren't too many things, and it's not that hard either. It's all multiple choice questions. It shouldn't really. Go, it, nobody should find it too difficult to go and do it. But no. like, oh yeah, I've got to go and organise myself to go and do uh, all that again. Obviously, there were a few changes in driver CPC proposed and coming in as well. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to be a particular, a particularly um, pop, popular thing, but uh, no, it, I mean, it the depends. Government, the government make money off it, don't they? So yeah, but I mean, there are there are good courses out there as well, but it just it just depends on your personal situation or what your company maybe wants to do as well. Like nobody wants to be doing bloody drivers hours again. No. Like, there's quite a lot of different variety and things. I said I'd like to see somebody do a geography course. Yeah. Which would be interesting. Which just focuses it focuses on the UK road network. So you do a, a day talking about all the different roads and different places and weight limits, places to avoid talking about London, DVS and all these all these kind of things. I think that would be an interesting course for a day, especially less yeah. experienced drivers because I think some people they do, that have never really dealt with maps or anything, if you just no. blindly follow a sat-nav, you don't get that spatial awareness no. No. that you would get when you are... Um, when you're actually looking where at, is where yeah where is where so I, 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 nobody seems to do uh, that as a course as such but I would like to I think that would be quite a good one yeah a good one and be quite an interesting thing to go and look at all different different parts of parts of the country and what how, what connects to where and alternate routes or things mm. because there's, there's quite often a way around something I remember I've seen it at places where 
guys will just go and drive into the back of a queue, even if they know it's there. Yeah. Like, oh, the M6 is the M6 is shut, you know, whatever. Whatever road's shut. And they'll just go and drive into the back of it because they don't know anywhere else. Whereas, yeah. like for a lot of drivers, your thought process, especially, I mean, like when you're tramping, you notice that a lot, but you're thinking on your feet a lot of the time. You're yeah. like planning forward. It's like, where do I stop? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I take a 10 here? Do I take nines? And it's like when you're, when you're driving somewhere, it's working out a route to get past somewhere. And there's usually, there's almost always a way around somewhere. But not all of these routes are, are kind of well known where you're jumping onto A roads and B roads yeah. and cutting, cutting across places because uh, there, is, there is always a way that can uh, save you many, many hours and a lot of pain and heartache. But oh, it's something that kind of, it's something, it's something that you, you kind of learn and it's something that people are maybe a bit more, some people are bit better at than better at than than others. Thinking I need to I need to work out a way to get around this because as soon as I as soon as I see it doesn't always work. Mind you, right enough. I've done some diversions in the past where I've eventually got round the other side of it, and I've thought to myself, yeah, you would you've not saved any time from sitting in that queue there. But then again, yeah. I haven't sat in a queue for an hour and yeah. got stressed <laughs> about it. So yeah, no, very true. Yeah, but aye, uh, we'll wrap this one up for today then. Yeah. Um, was you, uh, you got anything else? No. Any no other f- business now? No, no other business I'm aware of, so. Fantastic. Cool. Well, lovely to catch up with yeah, you again. Yeah, great to speak to you, Dougie. Yeah, hopefully the next time I'm catching up with you, we won't be reeling off a name, uh, another list of names that have gone uh, that have gone, gone wrong. into administration or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, or that t- tough times. Uh, hope, everybody's, hope everybody's doing well out there. Hope everybody that's uh, unfortunately um, been out of work gets back out and is uh, on the road again soon. Uh, right, so I'll catch up with you guys again next week. Cheers, take care. Love you. Cheers, ta Thank you for tuning in to the Truck and Driver podcast, proudly sponsored by TomTom. As a special thanks to our listeners for trucking through the holiday season, we're giving away one month free of TomTom Go Navigation Truck. Simply download the Go Navigation app and use the code TRUCKYEAH. That's T-R-U-C-K-Y-E-A-H when subscribing. Safe travels, folks.